everybody, it's Betsy, and here's what's in the Popping Collars feed for June 2021. There's just two words for this month's Popping Collars, staff picks. Hear what we're recommending from the world of pop culture. We have a special interview with Academy Award nominee Tom Moore this month. He talks to Greg about his animated feature, Wolf Walkers. The Going on 30 mob movie marathon continues this month. Greg and I explore the Martin Scorsese classic, Goodfellas. Finally, The Sacred Six wraps up our deep dive into The Wire. Special guest Eric Matoyer discusses the series finale, simply titled 30. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. It's like H.L. Mencken says, it is really the life of kings. This is The Sacred Six. Welcome to The Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode, and that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight. With me are my special guests, Betsy Carmody. How are you, Betsy? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. Just, you know, here at school, at Episcopal High School, where I serve as a chaplain. And Eric Matway. How are you, Eric? What can I say? We're living in Baghdad by the Bay, where the weather never changes and the earthquakes never stop. So we are enjoying ourselves here at St. Francis Church. Love it. Love it. We are moving on. We continue to re-up on episodes of The Wire, and this month... We find ourselves at the end of the line, season five, episode 10, titled 30. Betsy, you are our resident expert on all things newspapers. Catch us up. What do we need to know? Yes, I worked season five. Worked in journalism for 10 years. Shout out to the Times Picayune and to the Washington Post. Um, so so you you made a comment at the end of the last episode that 30 is a weird title. If you know journalism, it makes complete sense. And the dashes on either side of it are important because you would put that symbol 30 in the middle with dashes on the side at the end of an article that's ready to be edited and typeset. And so that would be if you would, it shows that that is the actual end of the article, particularly if you were sending it over different mechanisms of the past, you would want to make sure that you have the full thing. You also might see it at the end of a press release to show that that is the end of the information and you're not missing anything. There we go. So, there we go. so that's what, so of course, you know, with our journalism background of our writers and creators, finally having this season where we've ended up in the newsroom of the Baltimore sun and how we are covering the city that we have come to know over mm-hmm. the past four years, it's, or four seasons, it's been helpful to kind of get down the cast of characters. And now finally take a look at the media side of covering all of these folks, all uh, so many things having to kind of come together. What really amazed me was how the newsroom functioned. Mm-hmm and that there was a game in the newsroom and trying to tell the game, but you can almost see that already the game was changing for the newsroom. Mm-hmm. They were starting to move from what is the news? The news is to report and report what and report the facts. And it became the place where it's moving more towards the news is an inter- is a vehicle for entertainment for its owners. If the story sounds good, we're going to run with that story instead of actually looking for the facts of the story. Eric, so, 
What's our best scene from the last episode of The Wire? I got to admit the end where McNulty's just looking over. So now, so setting this up is recognizing that there was always something about the last episode that always had this little flash forward where someone's looking somewhere and they see all these little bits of what's happening. People, montages, like real, yeah. The little, thank you. The little the montages. Montage, yeah. And this was a classic montage in a classic way for The Wire where he's looking at the city and all these little scenes, these vignettes are playing out of what's happening in the city. And McNulty just turns and continues on. And you know, for McNulty, it will always be the same. What to say about this piece of work? <laughs> Me, as gifted a golden throat as any of you being loose from religion, I ever like What can I say about the dealing of I mean, really? He died young. Too young. <laughs> Shut up. It's coming to me. Uh, he was the black sheep permanent pariah he asked no quarter of the bosses and none was given he learned no lessons he acknowledged no mistakes he was as stubborn a mick as ever stumbled out of the northeast parishes to take a patrolman's shield he broke no authority he did what he wanted to do and he, he said what he wanted to say and in the end he gave you the clearances He's natural police, as he was. And I don't say that about many people, even when they're here on the felt. I don't give that one up unless it happens to be true. Natural police. Oh, oh here's his partner in crime. Be gentle, be gentle. I'm a civilian now. Be gentle. Your papers went in, huh? Yeah, this afternoon. 32 years. Four nights. Y'all did a fine job with him, you did. You look to be about 10 years younger than I remember. Come on. There's enough room for me to be laid out. Proud a man at his own weight. <laughs> come on, Lester, come and snuggle. <laughs> to conclude, I say he gave us 13 years on the line. A true murder police. Jimmy, I say this seriously. If I was laying there dead on some Baltimore street corner, I'd want it to be you standing over me catching the case. Because, brother, when you were good, you were the best we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, if you were lying there dead on some corner, probably Jimmy that dug it. You caught the case, you'd be standing there fixing my ear.
about you, Betsy? Best scene from the last episode of The Wire. I mean, I think I think Eric is right that the end is just the strongest because of all the pictures you get of everyone that then melts into pictures of actual Baltimoreans who mm-hmm. live there. And when Marlo skips out of that party, yeah, that he can't quit the game. I think it's that all of them can't quit. Right. Yeah. You know, with that montage shows everybody doing what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it seems like like Gus is streaming towards being fired and like all this stuff, it all just keeps churning. They get their Pulitzers and they Bonk is standing over a body. Yeah. Right. Carcetti's doing his thing. You know, everybody just is continuing to be the cog inside this wider system that we've spent five seasons painting and showing you. Mm-hmm. And that it just kind of keeps keeps going. There are some key moments though. Bubbles goes upstairs. Bubbles eats dinner Bubbles with his cooked. sister upstairs. Mm-hmm. And he looks good. He looks good. This was maybe the season that felt the most it felt the most cheated for Andre Royo, uh, who played Bubbles. Um his character, the thought that he put into his character, the arc that his character goes through. It's just a total shame that it was never recognized um, by the Emmys. But he um, was, he is, and he's he's a big vocal piece inside the All the Pieces Matter book. He is just the way he views this series and his thoughtfulness as an actor. It is just tremendous. He mm-hmm. is just tremendous. The montage actually brings me to our big idea for this episode, and that's the king. We got to mm-hmm. end with the king. King stays the king, as we all learned at the beginning of this whole thing. Like we see a lot of supposed Kings on the wire. We see Avon Barksdale at the beginning, Marlo Stanfield. But then we also see like Mayor Royce, Mayor Carcetti. See a lot of characters that are playing at being the King. It kind of feels like at the end of this show, and Betsy's talking about all the residents of Baltimore. It's really the game is the King. The Mm. game is the king. The king stays the king. This idea that the game perpetuates itself. Like, where do we see the game being the king? The game is the king because the game game plays on and it actually turns everyone else into soldiers. They're all pieces. And the game itself is the king because because the game protects itself. It's very, very hard to get out of the game. People who try, most of them fail. Mm-hmm. Or they find a way, and the ones who survive are the ones who realize they are in the game and just try to figure out, how do I become the pawn that makes it to the end of the board and becomes queen? That's the only way you survive, is and to survive to the end. And that we've lost people. You know, that this, mm-hmm. you know, who makes it, who makes it to the end, and are they really winning? Well, and when we talk about systemic racism, David Simon wanted to show us a wider system and asked people to hang on till that he could offer a portrait of Baltimore in this kind of late 90s, early 2000s, you know, that kind of experience of his time frame, what that looked like. Just seeing the seeds of everything just laid out there and here it all is. And it's been it's going on then, it's going on now. You know, do you use that to talk yourself out of actually making a change in this process? You know, all of that. The difference of, you know, what made this great television, like great Cooley's work, is that he knew, or it seemed, and please correct me, but it felt like 
he knew he had five he had five stories to tell and that was his arc unlike law and order season 65 you know <laughs> this this was going to end i knew where this i'm running a show and this is where this show was going to end making that arc and this was the way it could only end with mcnulty looking at baltimore and, and all those vignettes that's it right so it makes me think of this Bonhoeffer quote that I think Ed Burns brings up in the book, but it's this idea of if you actually, you know, right now we could talk about changing systems and this book is maybe three years old, but it's this idea of if we want to change the system, the way we've been doing that is like we're on a train and we're running backwards down the aisle, thinking that that's going to change the direction of the train or do anything to affect the train when we actually have to get off the train, but nobody wants to leave the train because we are so familiar with the train. I know this train. Why would I give away my security of knowing how these, these systems work? We're just so unwilling to leave what is comfortable to try something else. And especially when we live in a place, in a place of scarcity and a mentality of scarcity, and we just cannot get off the train because we and just can't quit it. Who is your MVP of the final episode of The Wire? Clark Jensen, mm. who plays Gus. And, he, and he's been involved with The Wire, I think, the whole time, right? He's been mm -hmm. directing. Episodes. Directed the first episode. You know, loved him as an actor from Homicide Life on the Street, David Simon production, long ago. He reminds me of so many personality-filled people who I've worked with in newsrooms, people who care about news, who are hard chargers, who care about good stories, who care about good writing. I think about editors like you know terry baquet who i worked with at the at the time Picayune, um laura jane carol paul like i just think about you know jerry i think about my copy desk and and editors who really were trying to raise and and bring up others i mean you see clark you see, you see gus doing that with the other reporters in the newsroom mm -hmm. he's trying to foster that and find that and and there's just such a disconnect with Whiting and the editors and their goals, you know, that he, mm. he keeps the main thing, the main thing and who they're covering and what press can be for a city in an industry that's dying. He's natural press. If we're going to talk about natural police, <laughs> Gus's character is natural press. Natural press. Uh, what about you, Eric? I love that. You know, I've got a thing for McNulty, the whole yeah. series and so on. He is such I talked about how his character stays in the game because it doesn't evolve, but he is, but there, because he is who he is, there's no changing him, not through his ex-wife, kid, girlfriends, bunk. McNulty is still McNulty. He's a schmo that's never going to change. And yet he's still, you know, you can count on being the smartest guy in the room who's going to make all the mistakes. <laughs> He and Bunk are my are my guys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the episodes we've chosen that Wendell Pierce has not gotten the love. I Listen. could just have a calendar, one of those little tear-off desk ones mm -hmm. that just has Wendell Pierce's bunk lines in it. Like that yes. would be, I just want one for every day. Like, you know, when yes. in the one one quote of his that I put down from when we talked about season two, episode 11, Bad Dream, is, you know, uh, what do you call a guy who pays that much attention to his clothes? And Bunk says a grown-up. And so like just he's just he just lays it out there and is delivers. And 
you know, it's it's hard to watch him and McNulty be at odds with each other. Yeah. Because you so appreciate <laughs> it's the world is better when they're in sync with each other. Yeah. And so I just I, I love Wendell Pearson's role. But what's amazing about this show is for me, it still echoes. Um, it was this amazing vignette of the late 90s America. And it had that full arc. And it talked about an urban world that is still with us and yet was very particular for its time, that we've seen the fallout of it. We've seen the fallout of the war on drugs. We've seen the fallout of the police system that was still beating people up instead of just killing them. We've seen the fallout of of an education system that has gone through yet another generation of lost children. We've seen the fallout of the of the news industry, where in some ways I'm going into the heart of darkness of Sinclair News Network and you know, Fox News isn't even it, but Sinclair News Network and all these other news as entertainment uh, that have sprung up. The, fa- the failure of integrity of that, of course, the corruption, the political system, but it's just that we are all are just a pawn in the game. And it's like, yeah, you know, trying to have offer a portrait of urban areas of this country. And this show is a gift of this time in this place mm-hmm. and what that looks like. All those polished granite steps on the row houses and Charm City. Mm-hmm. You know what, I, Greg, I really appreciate you bringing Betts and I into this because this is the, going to be the site of General Convention mm-hmm. in 2021. And I was actually looking forward to going to Balmer and going to look up a wired tour. <laughs> I, I've heard of it. them. Oh. I've heard of them. So, so I'm still... Uh, I need to talk to my Balmer contact who lives in Ellicott Spring, <laughs> Ellicott Mills now. Okay, so but they happen. They have them, and they happen. I will go with you because I'll be there whenever. If it's happening this summer, great. If it's happening <laughs> next summer, now, we're still going. <laughs> we're still going to totally go. I want to go, and we'll make sure we get people to sub out with us so we're not on the floor, and you and I can go. I cannot wait until this pandemic is over and we can all go have a drink at Kavanaugh's together. Oh, there great. we go. <laughs> that'd be great. Um, Bushmills, a good Protestant whiskey, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining me on this. That is it. We have made it. All six Ooh. episodes. Roll them. Uh, remind us again, uh, Betsy, where are you again and what are you doing? I am the head chaplain at the Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia. And Eric. This is Eric Matoye in San Francisco, the now six months in rector of St. Francis, San Francisco. A new gig. Excellent. And that is it. We're starting a brand new Sacred Six deep dive next month with a new special guest. Until then, remember, it's all in the game. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.